This morning, we are going to affirm a man that God has already called. This service is called an ordination service, and I'm so glad you are here with us this morning to see this. You see, sad news is that over 1,500 pastors leave the ministry every month in America. Many started out full of excitement and enthusiasm and, 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 and whatever. Ministry is hard, asked the Apostle Paul. And ministry is hard, but God calls to ministry. And I'm so glad to know he's still calling people into the gospel ministry. In the book of John, verse 15, chapter 15, verse 16, excuse me, Jesus said, you've not chosen me, I've chosen you and ordained you. The words ordained you means appointed you or placed you. God calls and appoints, we simply recognize and affirm that call. In both the Old and New Testament, leaders, men called by God, were set apart in a very special way, and it was by the laying on of hands. See, the laying on of hands is done to invoke God's blessing. Some scriptural examples. Let me give you some, uh, uh, some examples of this laying on of hands and why we do it. It's symbolic, but uh, the commissioning of Saul and Barnabas, two of our great missionaries to mission work, in Acts chapter 13, verse 3, it says, So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them out. And then the elders of the church uh, praying over Timothy, uh, recorded in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. It says, do not neglect your gift, which was given you. This is Paul writing to Timothy. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. And then Paul, speaking to Timothy directly in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, he said, for this reason, I remind you to fan the flame of the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. See, the ordination service recognizes and symbolizes God's call to ministry. Sometimes it's, 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 not, a, it's not something tangible. It's, it's a spiritual call. So we have this ordination service so that all of the rest of us, the congregation and the brothers and sisters in Christ, can actually visualize. It's a demonstration of that call. It includes both the candidate's commitment of himself to the ministry in the will of God and the church's approval of that candidate for ministry. The terms overseer and bishop and pastor in the New Testament, they're all interchangeable. They're the same officer, same calling. There's no spiritual graces or no particular authority that is bestowed in the act of ordination. It's simply the recognition of the call of God. Ministers are selected from among men who have proven themselves faithful to Christ first and his church and have expressed the call of God in their lives. Now, the call of pastor is one of God-given authority under the leadership of Jesus. Who's the pastor of this church? It's not me. It's Jesus Christ. 
I'm the under-shepherd. And so the call of the path is, is God-given authority under the leadership of Jesus, and just as important is a position of example, as are all positions of leadership. Uh, I've often teased back and forth with other pastors. I says, how does it feel to live in a goldfish bowl? But we are to live above reproach. By no means are we perfect. You all know that. But it's, it's, it's our goal to live in such a manner that we bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ and we serve as a good witness of sinners saved by grace. Throughout Scripture, we see many examples of men that were called of God. For instance, in Genesis chapter 12, very early on in the Bible, Abraham was called and chosen to be the father of a great nation. Did you know that when Abraham was chosen and had his relationship with God, there was no biblical scriptures or law written? Abraham was one of the first recorded in Scripture to have a relationship with God based on faith. And God called him and chose him to be the father of All nations, both Gentile and Jew. Exodus chapter 3, Moses was called to deliver God's people out of 400 years of slavery. 1 Samuel, early on in the book of 1 Samuel, a small boy named Samuel was called by God to serve as a prophet. Then later on in 1 Samuel, David, the smallest, youngest boy, was called to be the king of Israel. Matthew chapter 4, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they were called to be the disciples of Jesus. Acts chapter 9, we've just talked about this recently. Paul was called to serve Jesus and preach the gospel to the Gentiles, a very unlikely candidate. Well, where were these men when they were called? Well, Abraham was living quietly with his wife and nephew in Haran, and he was called to leave and go to the promised Land, did you know that when God told Abraham to leave, Abraham said he will, and he didn't even know where he was going yet? That's how much he trusted God. And I can tell you, when you go into the ministry, it's an act of faith and trust. Amen? Moses was out in the desert keeping sheep for his father-in-law. Samuel was a young boy serving in the temple. David was out tending his father's sheep. In fact, when Samuel came to anoint him, he went through all the other brothers first, and he says, None of these is the king. Where is he? And David was out tending his father's sheep. Peter, Andrew, James, and John were all fishermen. Guess where they were? They were fishing in their boats. Common fishermen. I'm so glad he included boat people. Paul. Paul, a Pharisee. What that means is he was studied. He had literally, to become a Pharisee, you had to memorize the five books of the Torah. Memorize them. That's the first five books of our Bible, and then some. So he was a Pharisee. He had studied the law, and he was on his way to persecute and kill more Christians. That's what he was doing when God called him. Why were these men called? Well, uh, God created them for a purpose, to know him and to serve him. And here's the important part, and they were willing They were willing. What were their responsibilities? Their responsibilities were to obey God's call and do whatever his bidding was. What were their qualifications? These were ordinary men with willing and obedient hearts. 
I like to say your pastors put their pants on the same way everybody else does, one leg at a time. And if you find some time that you need somebody to pray for, pray for your pastors. We have the same struggles that you do. But these are men full of faith and God's spirit. Now, there are further qualifications for overseer, bishop, and pastor, and they were laid out by the great apostle Paul in his letter to Timothy. So I'm going to read those. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Paul writes, Here is a trustworthy saying, Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him. And he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, well, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. I want to go through this scripture and pull these key words out. First of all, he talks about being above reproach. What does that mean? It means living in such a way that there's no reason for questioning or wondering about their relationship with Jesus Christ. In other words, a constant example for others. Did you know that one of the examples is when a pastor makes a mistake, he asks for forgiveness, and God restores him just like he would any other person. So that's a part of the example. And is, is living the word, filling our minds with word, working in the ministry and teaching others, faithful to his wife. This has been an issue in the Southern Baptist Convention for years. Did you know that uh, some would believe that you can commit murder, get saved, and still serve as a pastor, but if you've ever been divorced, you can't. That's ludicrous. That is not what God's Word says. And I'm here to tell you, the Greek interpretation of what it says is to be a one-woman man. I used to use Bob and Phyllis as our example. They've been... This last Thursday would have been married 51 years. Do you think Bob was a one-woman man? You bet. He's talking about the character of a man. Temperate means showing moderation. God wants us to show moderation. My dear friend, Dr. White, used to tell us, there's train tracks, there's two rails. Let's keep the wheels on both. That's when you have moderation. Sometimes we lean to the left, and sometimes we lean to the right. And moderation means to show, or temperate means to show moderate. No drunkenness means showing good judgment. Because what's the first thing to go when we drink alcohol? Our judgment. Well, that's when I feel relaxed to talk to others. Uh Uh-oh. Because that's when we say things we shouldn't. And that's when we consider doing things. There's nothing in our Constitution, and there's nothing in the Bible that says, Thou shalt not drink alcohol. But I can tell you there's some serious warnings. Solomon was one. He said, Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. Whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Gentleness. Gentleness just means not quarrelsome. And i got to tell you, i I got to work on that because I have a strong... Strong attitude. I'm a type one personality. I'm getting some thumbs up from our deacons. (laughs) Pray for me. 
I want to be a person of gentleness. His pursuit, this person, this candidate's pursuit is not for worldly gain. I can tell you what, there's a lot of other ways to make more money than being a pastor. Amen? So our pursuit is not for worldly gain. Does a pastor, does his needs need to be met? Yes. Yes. A manage his house well means it implies he leads his family. Now, ladies, don't get mad at me, but it means that his wife's not leading his family. It means he's leading his family. Hello? That's the way God requires it. That's the way God's going to hold us as men in our families, men in his church. We are required to lead. And if we don't, we're still going to answer for it. Live in compliance with God's word instead of being in defiance of God's word. If, if, it's, if this candidate is, is shown something by God or, or by another man who loves him or someone speaks into his life that he's willing to change. And then last, he needs to be able to teach. He must be able to teach. Now, members of Four Corners Baptist Church, I want to take this opportunity and I wish to present to you this candidate for the ministry of the gospel. He's my dear friend, Rolando Delgado. I've asked, Rolando, I've asked him to come to share his testimony of how he gave his life to Christ and what Christ means to him today. And then maybe share with us just some of the ways God has been preparing him for this call. My name is Rolando Delgado. I uh, serve at Four Corners as a deaconator. It's been an honor and a pleasure to serve you in that capacity. I hope that I can um, serve you even better as a pastor. Let me be honest with you. Um, it's only through God's will that I'm up here, okay? For me to come up here, it gives me a lot of butterfly in my hand sweat. I get nervous. But... Uh, I'm up here. I'm obedient to him first. I'm not a not a shame or 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 have ears as <laughs> adjustments. <laughs> um, I, I'm not afraid to come up here. You know? I just uh, I have a lot of respect for uh, for the body of Christ. Amen. Okay. Sometimes uh, we feel a little weak and uncertain in doing this, especially when God calls you to service. You know, you know the answer. I'm not good enough, God. I, uh, I can't do this. Uh, too old, you know, etc., etc., etc. Remember that movie? <laughs> but Lord reminds us the security doesn't come from our confidence in ourselves. Amen. Security comes in confidence in him. So a long time ago, God told me he loves me the way I am. Amen. Amen. I don't know if you know my testimony, and um, I want to tell you a little bit of it. Because I'm glorifying God today. I'm not glorifying that all men. But it's a testimony of his love and mercy. I'm going to tell him that. That old man was an evil man, insecure young man, a liar, a loner, a cruel man, a criminal, devil worshiper. 
lonely as lonely can be. Everything I touch, I corrupt, poison society with perversions and drugs. I was a warlord and a drug lord. I worked for Satan. Like for my crime to society, they sent me to a federal penitentiary for a long, long time. I'm going to tell you a word today. It's called Cairo. In the Greek, that word Cairo, it means a propitious moment for decision or action. An opportune moment. Well, in Cairo, I just call it God's time. In Cairo time, God sent his son to die for me and for you. Amen. In Cairo. Not when we wanted it, but when he chose. In his perfect time. I remember one time when I was preparing myself for suicide. God came in Cairo time and Mm -hmm. spoke to me. He told me he loved me. Amen. Just the way I was. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I was so, I came undone that day. I didn't know what to do. I, my, my human mind couldn't phantom the things I have done in the past. And, and still, he loves me. Then in Cairo, God's time, he sent somebody to tell me about his greatest love, our Lord Jesus. Amen. And they told me how I can receive him. How can have that great love in my life? And I go, I can't do this. And he says, he loves you. That's the way you are. You know, I can fathom that. I mean, it's incredible that somebody can love you that way. My, uh, my brother Whitney says, Google it. I'll tell you. <laughs> you know, Google. <laughs> I don't know about that. But I know that God loves me and I love him. Amen. And this song, How Great Thou Art, is one of my songs. He died in my place. He paid for my sin and for yours. That's right. And that's why I don't serve him because I owe him for this. I serve him because of the gratitude in my heart to serve him, to love him. And I thank him every day in my life. See, salvation is a free gift. Mm-hmm. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. All you need to do is accept it. There's, if there's someone here that hasn't accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, perhaps it's Cairo time. Mm. Think about it. You know, my story is long and complex. Um, even some of my companions, I see the changes in my life as I hear in this church and, and all the old friends I had um, from prison. We see the power of God in my life in many, many ways. Um, there's nothing else I can that I love the Lord more that I love my I love my wife too, by the way. <laughs> Amen. 
You know, when, uh, when I say about Cairo, when I first came to prison, God, I'm not sure if it's in a, my ears or in my mind, he says, I'm going to use you. And I told him, really, God? You're going <laughs> to use this criminal? Yeah. In my time, Cairo. Cairo time. God can do many things. He said, I'm going to use you again. First, he uh, Later on, he used me in the ministry and mission work and going to prisons and giving food to the ports. And then later on, he called me to the deep. And uh, I said, really? Sure about that. I'm old. I had help. I can do this. And there was a silence, you know. And I said, okay, okay, I'll do it. (laughs) Big ones when he says, I want to make you a pastor now. So I'm going to work with you. I go, really? Really? Really, Father, I told you I can't. I don't know. I don't even know how to speak to your people. I don't know what to say. I'm weak in many areas. I'm not perfect. He says, I will give you strength in your weakness. I am your God. Amen. What a powerful promise. We don't have to be perfect. Amen. We don't have to have it all together. We don't have to depend on our own strength, gift, or talent. It's the work of God in our life that bridges the gap between who we are and what he wants us to be. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw my boss. I told my wife. I saw my boss kind of work he does. And it's hard. It's hard being a pastor. You know, I talk to my wife about, you know, the work we do here for God and for, for our Lord. And, and we don't do it to uh, to show that we do things, but we do it all to God, you know. And, uh, but it's hard. The ministry is hard. And, uh, but in Cairo time, just be obedient and allow God to work in your life. He can make a miracle like he did for me. Do uh, Just a little prayer. My last prayer is Deacon. Abba, I have surrendered to you, my father. You are mine. I am yours, like the song says. Thank you each day that you have blessed us in this earth. Thank you for your tender mercy. Thank you for all your blessings, Lord. Thank you for giving us friends and family to share joy and sorrow with. I ask you to bless my friend, my relative, my brothers and sister in Christ, which I care deeply for. Where there's joy, Give them continued joy, whether it's sorrow and pain. Comfort with your love and peace. May your name be forever and ever. Be lifted up.
In Jesus' name, amen. I was talking to Brenda this morning. A man never goes into the ministry without a helper. And uh, she said, I said, are you nervous? She said, I am. And I said, can I tell you something that I've learned from serving in a ministry for 15 years and being married to a behind-the-scenes person for almost 45? Just be yourself. Just be yourself, which is just right. Listen, I want to... uh, I want to ask a question and then answer it because I think this may be a question a lot of people have. How does one know he has God's call on his life as a bishop of over or overseer? And I think that's a good question. There may be others out here who God is calling you to something. Maybe it's a ministry. It's to lead a ministry. Maybe it's to teach. Maybe it's to serve as a deacon in the future. Just how do you know? Well, first, he has a desire to serve the Lord. One of the things that we look for in a deacon is the one who's doing the job already. See, we can't, uh, we can teach them the paperwork, but we, God can only teach you the love and give you that desire to, to love people. So he, first he has a desire to serve the Lord Jesus and his people. And then he has a desire to know God in a greater way and a more personal way. He wants to grow. He has a desire to help others grow by mentoring and discipling them. He has a love for God's word and desires to teach and preach. I don't know if you know, but Rolando interprets back here on Sunday morning when we have Spanish-speaking only people with us. He interprets. As I preach, he's interpreting into a microphone, and those that need it have headphones on. Now, it's been brought to my attention, and I thought I heard a little bit, too. He uh, sometimes gets a little vocal. He gets a little excited about the gospel. And I just found out the other day when I told him, he goes, Oh, I stand when you preach, because I'm preaching, too. And I love that about him. And God, and that's not an easy thing to listen to English in one ear and spit out some good quality Spanish out of the other. I can't uh, barely do English. But um, he has a desire to teach and preach people. Also has a humbleness and a sense of unworthiness to the call. See, the call also is recognized by other godly men who know the candidate well. When the Lord laid this on my heart several months back, pastors, and I said, Pastor Tony, Pastor Larry, what do you think about this? And they said, absolutely, without a second thought. And I talked to our deacons, and they said, yeah. So that's another thing, that that call will be affirmed by other believers that know you. I remember when I first got the call, and I came, and, and I said, Pastor, God called me to be a pastor. He goes, I knew he was going to. See, that's that affirmation that, that works in the body of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Also, he has a passion to see lost souls saved and, he's, and equip people for the service in the kingdom. And he has a willingness to serve no matter the cost. Now, these are just some of the things that are, are demonstrated in this man's life and personal insights that are revealed to him through God with a call to the ministry. So now I'm going to give a charge to uh, Rolando, and my, my favorite friend, if you'll stand and just face me. Rolando Delgado, my dear friend.
a fellow laborer in the kingdom of God? Do you promise to walk worthily of the vocation to which you are called, seeking always to bring honor to the name of Jesus Christ as your Lord? And do you promise diligently and faithfully to perform the duties of minister of the gospel with no thought of personal reward or honor, having as your primary motive the winning of people to Jesus Christ and the building up of the body of Christ through inspiration, teaching, exhortation, and stewardship to the glory of God. Do you so promise? With all my heart, serve the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Gentlemen, I'm going to ask all who are ordained, whether it's into the ministry or deacons, if you'd come up. We're now going to lay hands on soon-to-be Pastor Rolando and have a word of prayer. Pastor Tony, I've asked to lead us. Men will just gather around. Would you, congregation, pray with us? What we're doing now is we are doing what I described in the New Testament, laying on of hands and invoking God's blessing on this man, his family, and his ministry. Would you pray with us? Father God, we are so thankful for this day that you've made, that you've given to us. Lord, we know that you appoint each and every time. We know that every single person in this room is appointed by you. Yes. You know Rolando Roley as a child. Before he was even put within his mother's womb, you mm. knew him and know him. You've appointed him for such a time as this. Yes. You put him even into this date, 2018, for this day yes. that we might be able to stand here with our brother and thank you for him. And Lord, we pray and we claim in the name of Jesus that you be with him, that you continue to anoint him for your work, that you be with his family. Lord, that you draw them nearer to you. And as Rolando is the example that you have set before his family, may his heart for you increase. Mm. You say in Acts 16.31 that if we believe upon the Lord Jesus that even our family will be drawn to you yes, Lord. because of who we are in you. And Lord, I know that your anointing's on this man, for I've seen it personally. Yes, and as Pastor Paul has said, it's been observed, it's been noticed, and it's taken note. And we, we are so pleased to walk with our brother. Amen. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for opportunities such as this. May these kinds increase. For your namesake, to your glory, in Jesus' name. Amen. Congregation, I would like to now give you a charge. Do you, members of this congregation, acknowledge and approve this man, Rolando, as a minister of the Church of Jesus Christ? And will you pray for him in his ministry and work together with him to accomplish the mission of the church, giving him all due honor? and support in his leadership to which the Lord has called him to the glory and honor of God. If so, please signify by standing. There's one last affirmation, my brother. Thank you so much, congregation. Please be seated. This will conclude the ordination service. Pastor Tony is now going to lead us in the offering and some announcements, and then at the end we'll have a presentation. I want to invite you at the end of the service, to please come up. Uh, Rolando and Brenda will be up here. Please come up and affirm them 
words of wisdom, words of affirmation, even a, a short prayer to let them know that uh, we're honored to have them serve with us here.